0: Charizard,
1: Cotton candy.
0: Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Anthony.
1: And I'm Alex. And my first story today is entertainment news. (laughs) This is from CNET. And I'm just going to preface this with this is a very weird story that I actually wish I could have used for Halloween because of how weird it is. (laughs) The headline is, get paid to have your face printed onto a creepy, super realistic mask. What? This is real. Get,
0: okay, they're paying you to do it, though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good, because I would not pay for that service.
1: They're pay. There's a company. Okay, I will just. I'll read the thing. So, basically, this specialty mask store is paying Tokyo residents three hundred and eighty dollars each, or per person, or whatever, to have their faces copied onto realistic three D printed masks, so you can like elect to have your face added to this company's like product line of these real face masks and they'll pay like you $380. A,
0: is this like a lower half face mask or like a full face? It's a
1: full face mask. Oh,
0: oh no. <laughs>
1: it is the full face. Um, but then the, they're, they're planning on going like turning around and selling those masks to just anyone for seven hundred and fifty dollars. What? So basically, we would agree to this. <laughs> I don't know. And this article also says that the owner of the face, like the actual person's face, it is only receives a portion of the profits if their face becomes popular. <laughs> I'm so, like, what is this business? That is model? so
0: strange. I uh.
1: So. Yeah, so they're accepting like if you live in Tokyo and you're at least twenty years old, you can contact them and they will pay you. What did I said, Three hundred and eighty dollars uh-huh. to give them your face and le- the permission to like to make a mask with your and to just a sell your face. Of your face, yeah, forever. Yeah,
0: that's so weird. I don't like that.
1: Don't it's like so that weird. And right now there is one already available, like on the website. Apparently, it's the owner, uh, and I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you what it looks like. It's so creepy. I don't
0: know. Thank you.
1: Like this, this is what it looks like. when The person has it on. Oh,
0: oh that's awful. I hate it.
1: <laughs> it's so weird. It's... Um, oh,
0: it's so
1: the best part of this, um, this article is this statement from this company. Uh huh. We will buy and sell your faces. A science fiction story has now become reality. No one yet knows what will happen to a world full of the same faces as you. That was quoted as a statement from the company. What? Like, who are these what? Now I'm like, okay, maybe that was like, because it's a Japanese company, and maybe it was like translated. I'm sure. And yeah, I'm sure. There's a little... something
0: there, but like also. You kind but of just painted yourself that. as, like, an evil they future corporation that's just going to, like, make everyone have the same face or
1: something. What the heck is kind of creepy. So, uh, okay, I, I think I didn't mention the actual name of the company. It's Kamenya Omoto. Um, they actually already had a business selling masks for theater groups that depict, like, ac- apparently figures from folktales or, like, demons and ghosts and animals and all sorts of different things and make like realistic looking masks. And now this is like their new product line. Is <laughs> <or> something.
0: people. It's <laughs> real, real, real people.
1: people. <laughs> um, so it's very strange. But if you live in Tokyo and you're listening to this and you feel like if you, you need want that money. If you need a real quick
0: 380.
1: <laughs> if you need a real quick 380, I mean, this is available to you. as a, an
0: option. As I, a money I will, source. I, I will so, judge you for choosing to do this because that's that's so strange
1: do you judge more the people that submit their faces to these to this company or the people that buy somebody's face on a mask
0: that's a great question (laughs) honestly
1: i think it's mm, worse to purchase somebody's face and wear it as a mask for any reason yeah that is just so (laughs) weird to me yeah i
0: think i would agree with you but I also I don't know I I judge them both for sure. My first story is random local news, and it's an update. Oh, you may, this is from ABC News. Uh, you may remember, I think it was last episode. Yeah, it was. Time is hard. Uh, yeah, the we talked about the monolith that popped yeah, up in the Utah. Yeah, monolith. Um, so there have been. Usually over the course of the week, if I see, like, a story that I think might be interesting, I'll, like, flag it. I'll, like, send it to myself in an email. I sent, like, three stories about this monolith to myself because there kept, like, being updates on it. (laughs) Um, But basically, the first update was that it disappeared overnight one night, and people weren't sure how.
1: I did see that one, but I haven't seen anything since then. Okay.
0: The second thing is that a similar one has been spotted in Romania... Like a similar monolith has just mysteriously appeared in Romania. Like in a random town. It also
1: in a in a remote location?
0: It didn't, this one wasn't as a remote, it was near a town.
1: Oh. Okay. But it was still
0: it was very similar to it and it also just like appeared. And then the third thing is that people actually photographed the people taking the <laughs> first one. <laughs> so we know for sure it's not aliens or <laughs> anything. It's just people. Well we know that took people it. took it. We don't know what, but for. we still
1: don't know how did how it got there.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> no idea. Has anyone
1: figured out how it got there? No, no, that's still <laughs> okay. a mystery. So I,
0: now, now that wow. I now that I've spoiled everything, I'm just going to go through this story. But um, <laughs> okay, so the mo- the monolith that mysteriously appeared out of nowhere in the Utah desert was removed from its location in the middle of the night over the weekend, while a similar structure showed up in Europe. Um, and I should say, this story I think came out before they. Like, the people who photographed the people removing it released those photographs. So this is before they knew that part. Okay, okay. Just to give some context here. Cool. Um, So the U.S. Bureau of Land Management said agents discovered on Saturday that the structure was gone from its location in the southeastern Utah desert. Uh, The agency said in a Facebook post Saturday night, the Bureau of Land Management did not remove the structure, which is considered private property. We do not investigate crimes involving private property. So they're no fun. Um, hmm. While the monolith no longer has a footprint in the U.S., a similar structure appeared out of nowhere in Romania over the weekend. Onlookers spotted a similar metal structure in the eastern Romanian city of Piatra Neemt. I have no idea if I'm <laughs> pronouncing that right. And they shared videos and photos of the structure on social media. So this one's, like, not remote. It sounds like it's just near okay. a town, but still nobody knows how it showed up. Hmm. Feels to me like it could just be, like, a copycat situation. Like somebody saw the one in, the, yeah. in Utah and was like, I'm going to do that. <laughs> Just make they people think, have. Yeah, but I don't know. Um, could have. but no one has officially claimed responsibility for setting up either of the structures as of Monday evening. And as far as I've found, no one still has, um, on November eight, uh, this is just a little history about it. So if you if you didn't listen to our episode last week, which you should have, uh, on November eighteenth, <laughs> crews from the Utah Department of Public Safety and Division of Wildlife Resources discovered that the structure or discovered the structure while doing a helicopter survey of sheep in the area. The discovery sparked questions, jokes, and speculation about the structure's origins. Um, and although officials didn't dic- disclose the exact location of the monolith interested hikers took to the desert to see the object in pers- person and shared their experiences on social media. Apparently a lot of people still managed to find it. Um and at one point coordinates got shared on Reddit, so it was oh. all out there okay. for people to see. Um Bureau of Land Management officials, however, warned that the desert is public land, and any development on public lands must be approved by the agency. They also reiterated that visiting the site where the monolith stood is prohibited, as there are no restrooms or cell phone service, and only high clearance vehicles are allowed. So, <laughs> you really shouldn't you be should going go over there. <laughs> and it sounds like there was actually some like damage to local vegetation and stuff because people were parking on it and that kind of thing.
1: That's not good. Yeah. Well, that I, is that why they removed it.
0: I don't know, Probably. but we don't know who. But it doesn't don't sound like the it. the the Bureau of Land Management is saying they didn't. So we don't know who took it.
1: That's confusing.
0: Unless they did, and they're not taking they're not credit take, for uh, it, which is would be also weird. Yeah, so I don't. It's, this whole situation still is still a very lot of strange. mystery, and yeah, it's less exciting now that it feels a little more human, I guess, but.
1: No, the only it's thing that happened was weird. like some people came and took it. Yeah. That's that's true. Okay. We still
0: don't know how it got there.
1: We don't know how it got there. We don't know, know who why there's were. one in Romania now. We don't know why there's one in Romania. It's still a mystery.
0: I, I, I hope they start popping up everywhere. <laughs> that's what I really hope.
1: Yeah, that would be something exciting this year. I mean, I just need
0: something to happen, Alex. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um,
0: something Side note, good but completely or at least related. neutral I,
1: did you see that southwest on their like like southwest airlines and their like official twitter account posted a, a picture of the monolith with like the southwest like the arrows of the boarding have you ever flown on southwest uh-huh. before you know how that you have to like stand in your like number yeah. spot and they have those like <laughs> those metal like uh-huh. things okay well, <laughs> they made the monolith just look like one of those, and they were like, whoops, sorry, we lost this, or something <laughs> like
0: that. official. That's pretty funny.
1: <laughs> I was laughing so hard.
0: Shout out to Southwest. That's, that was, that's a good one.
1: That was fun. All right, my next story is technology news. This is from dizine.com. Okay. A random website we've never used before. Just, it's
0: just <laughs> Disney, but with the letters moved around. No,
1: not... <laughs> <laughs> I did not think about that. That's awesome. Uh, the headline is, Engineer Develops Home Testing Kit for Breast Cancer. Oh. Which is a good news. Yeah. This is a good story. Um, Spanish engineer uh, Judith Benet... I think I'm pronouncing that right, has won the 2020 International James Dyson Award for her design, the Blue Box, which enables women to test themselves for breast cancer at home using just a urine sample. Uh, The Blue Box is an at-home biomedical breast cancer testing device that uses a urine sample plus artificial intelligence to detect early signs of the disease. But designed the kit with the aim of offering women a more accessible and less invasive way of getting tested for breast cancer, which typically requires them to go to a hospital or a medical facility and get a mammogram and a like bunch of stuff at a like facility, right. um, which that procedure can be painful or costly, and so a lot of women just skip doing that. Um, and then more recently, because of the pandemic, a lot of women have not been getting screened um, because they don't want to go to the hospital. Right. So that that was part of the inspiration of why she wanted to develop this. Um, but yeah, but this is like a non-invasive low cost alternative to that. Um, this article also said that she was inspired by a dog that was able to detect lung cancer by smelling its owner's breath, which I think I've heard about before, like that dogs can smell cancer. Have you ever heard that? No, you've never heard that. That's a thing. They, they, I don't know if it only happened like this one time, but, it's actually been shown that dogs can like detect cancer somehow, like they can smell it. That's but that wild. it's real, yeah. But I, I don't, I don't have all the, I don't have all the literature right now. But
0: so does the blue I, box I just contain a dog?
1: <laughs> the blue box a contains a puppy dog. Uh, no, but, no, but she kind of took that same, I guess, like idea and just made like an electronic system that would sense particles in a similar way. I guess that was like her inspiration of like the technology that she designed. Okay. So she made like a sensory system with an Arduino processor and like a bunch of sensors and it takes data and then sends it to a cloud processing thing where an algorithm analyzes it and then provides the user with results of their test through a smartphone app. Mm. So it's like kind of how, how it all works. And then the app can also put the person in touch with a healthcare provider too. So yeah, so this is just a prototype right now. It's not like purchasable or anything like that, but this article said that um, Binet is currently undergoing patent discussions for it and um, is going to spend the next few years working on, you know, trying to prep for like, actual, like, human trials, clinical trials and stuff to get this FDA approved eventually. Nice. So, that yeah. Sounds,
0: that sounds awesome.
1: It's pretty cool. And I like it. I like anyone that's working on, like, early cancer detection technologies because I think that's, like, super important. and oh, yeah. of, like... I think there's a lot of room in technology to, like, grow in that specific area mm-hmm. of just, like, early detection. And also
0: anything that makes testing more accessible and, like, less yeah. invasive and yes. just easier. Because a lot of people don't do it because it's challenging or expensive
1: yeah. Yeah, or exactly.
0: whatever. Like, it's
1: like it's full, really cool. You know, like, full-on medical scans really is an easy way to detect things you know, a lot of types of cancer, but those are so expensive. Like, you can't just do that for everyone, (laughs) you know?
0: like, let me just go buy myself an MRI. Yeah, (laughs) right.
1: Like, it's... (laughs) So, stuff like this is is awesome. Yeah.
0: My next story is food news. This is from Engadget. Singapore is the first country to approve the sale of lab-grown meat.
1: What lab grown meat, meat
0: meat grown in a lab. Uh,
1: oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> so we've talked I think we've talked about lab grown We've definitely talked about plant based alternatives to meat. Oh yeah. I bring for those sure. all the time and I don't know why. But <laughs> we've but, talked about we've only talked about lab grown meat a couple of times, I think, or maybe once. I don't we've definitely Yeah talked I don't about
1: actually it. know We've definitely talked about it at least okay. one time. I mean, because we I'm, talk about the plant-based stuff yeah. so often. I don't know why I'm I assume so intrigued that we've talked about by the meat lab.
0: alternatives. Like, I eat a ton of meat. Like, <laughs> I should be clear on that. they're
1: intriguing. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> no, just so interesting.
0: The idea is very interesting. Um, so on Wednesday, the city-state's food agency gave Eat Just, a U.S. startup best known for its plant-based egg substitute, uh, Not that well-known, because I've never heard of it. Uh, They gave them the go-ahead to sell their lab-grown chicken as an ingredient in chicken nuggets. Um, The company says initial availability of its meat will be limited, with only one restaurant selling the nuggets to start. But they plan to eventually sell the meat directly to consumers as their manufacturing capacity increases. Uh, Cultured meat is different from the plant-based alternatives we've seen from companies like Impossible Foods and Beyond Meat. In this case, it's real meat that's created by taking stem cells from an animal's muscle or fat tissue and putting it in a medium that supports their growth. So, just growing it. It is. Don't think about it too hard.
1: I, oh, but I am now. Oh, it's, But
0: don't do that, though. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing, don't do it. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, they say the resulting chicken is safe to eat and includes a, includes a high amount of protein and a diversified amino acid composition. And additionally, the manufacturing process doesn't involve any antibiotics, which is also oh. big.
1: How? Which, okay, I have to think that went through. Why don't they need antibiotics?
0: I don't actually. Yeah, you know, I guess I didn't really think about it. But the like antibiotics in the meat that we consume is kind of a big problem. Yeah, because we're.
1: 100%. Running into,
0: we're running into super bacteria that like are resistant to antibiotics now yeah. because we eat so many products that contain them. So if they can do this without those, that's good. Yes, 100% Uh, agree. Yes. Uh, So the startup has been working towards regulatory approval for approximately two years. As part of the process, they had to show they could consistently manufacture the cultured chicken, which has kind of been the issue with this. Like, we've been able to do this for a while now, but Mm -hmm. the problem is consistently creating it and producing it on scale for a reasonable cost. That's really been the challenge. Um, So apparently they've managed to do this. Uh, at least in a way that has satisfied Singapore. And while Singapore's decision to allow the meat could encourage other countries to follow suit, regulatory approval in the US and other countries where land isn't in scarce supply is likely years away. Just because there's a lot of like well, frankly like lobbyists and stuff pushing for like keeping meat meat, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like that are just against this because it, it would cut into their their size, right but um i think it's super intriguing and like again i eat meat <laughs> but i do get like the moral uh what's the word that i want here objection to mm. to eating animals and yeah. this seems like a really good alternative because it's still meat but it's ethically raised or ethically grown right <laughs> it's, like it's basically a plant <laughs> I mean Yeah. A very expensive Wait, to create. It plants. is
1: basically a it, it is basically a plant.
0: Yeah. You give it nutrients it's and just a, it grows. It's
1: just some cells mm-hmm. that are growing. Yep. And that's all it is.
0: Yeah. It just needs a little more than sun and water. And that's probably where the cost comes in. But but yeah, it's it's still the meat and I think yeah. that's really that's really cool. And yeah, if I think this it's can cool be too. I, if this can be done at scale for like a reasonable cost, I think it could eventually supplant like the animal industry yeah (laughs) it just depends how it
1: tastes right
0: yeah and it yeah assuming it tastes the same
1: right i think if it if it tastes similar enough i think it easily could supplant the actual real animal industry yeah because
0: i still haven't had a meat substitute that i've been convinced by but i also haven't had like the impossible burgers so
1: Mm. who knows Okay, my next story is more technology news. This is from fizz.org. You know fizz.org. I do, oh, I know. <laughs> Alex, do I know
0: fizz.org? Yeah. I think you do. Yeah, I, I, think I do. think you do. <laughs> yeah, I do.
1: Um, and <laughs> this is also about somebody inventing something cool. Uh, the headline is: Physicist creates N95 type respirators using a cotton candy machine.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Um, so Mahesh Bandi, a physicist at OIST Graduate University in Okinawa, Japan, I guess this also, also takes place in Japan. Yeah, I was say, got really a realized. lot of, a lot
0: of Japanese <laughs> uh,
1: has found a way to produce an N95 type respirator mask filter that is less expensive and quicker than conventional approaches. So some background, research has shown that N95 respirator masks, which are face masks that have electrocharged filters that can attract and hold viruses, which I actually didn't realize that. Yeah, it's it.
0: interesting cuz apparently they can actually fill up over the course of a day, so you actually can't breathe through them by the end of the day. Because really? they like actually capture Cuz the they stuff. capture the stuff. Yeah.
1: I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know they had electrocharged and they were cap- capturing things. Yeah, so that's I learned super cool. things. That is super cool. Uh, yeah, it's very cool. Um, so research has shown that that type of mask is very effective at preventing viruses from passing through them. However, those masks can be expensive and difficult to manufacture, and they're in short supply right now. Hmm. So this physicist found a way to make a filter as effective as those used in the n ninety five respirators, but that can be produced quickly and cheaply
0: with a cotton candy machine
1: with a cotton candy machine so um he came up with this technique that involves heating ordinary plastics, such as bottles or shopping bags, putting them into a cotton candy machine, also known as a candy floss machine, which spins the plastic into like a mesh material, like cotton candy, except it's plastic what? and also becomes electrocharged in that spinning process. So basically he's like making plastic con candy. Um, then he takes that material and just, like, cuts it into small squares. And then there's some other stuff about, like, making it even more charged. But, huh. yeah, so that, that's basically what the filter is. And he tested these um, by placing them inside of, like, normal surgical masks. And that was, like, the first thing he did. And he found that the filters, like, worked well, but that doing that wasn't a great option. So then he went and designed, like, his own mask design that is, like, designed to, like, fit these filters that he made. So you can, like, insert and remove them really easily and, like, reuse the, like, mask part and just remove the filter part. Um, Yeah, and then he tested it, and he found that it was just as effective as the N95 mask.
0: That is so cool. Uh,
1: And then because it's
0: made in a cotton candy machine, when you're done with it, you just stick your tongue out and go, and then you just lick (laughs) it all up and eat
1: it. What you should do is put the cotton candy sugar in there. Yeah, with the mask uh-huh. as it's being made, and then it'll be like in the mask. Exactly. Yeah, and then it'll like taste like cotton and smell like cotton yeah, candy. Yeah, just all don't that.
0: eat the plastic part, I guess.
1: Right, just only eat the sugar. Just only out eat of it. the sugar
0: part. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, it'll be very hard, and also you shouldn't lick your mask after using them.
1: <laughs> Please do not do that.
0: <laughs> the whole idea is that it doesn't get into your mouth.
1: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, isn't this cre- wasn't this creative? Like That's, how did yeah. you think of this? I don't yeah. know. But I I just thought that was
0: Yeah, you a do really wonder what thing. thought goes through somebody's mind before like, <laughs> like I got this cotton candy, candy, candy machine. I got all these plastic bags. <laughs> what what happened? can I do with yeah. it? <laughs> Wait a second. I could use this as a melody. <laughs> There's so many so many different realizations I feel like you have to have.
1: Yeah. To like I don't know. come to this conclusion. But I don't know. I, I it was I was impressed by it. Yeah. It seemed pretty cool. Um but yeah, so he he just published the technology. It's in a paper now, so anybody can go read that. And I don't know, it, there wasn't the article mentioned that there was no mention of like that he's planning on producing it or anything like that. But he just published like, hey, this is a thing, yeah. so someone else could technically produce it if they wanted to.
0: Yeah, I wonder if like the technology in a cotton candy machine is more affordable, maybe, or like easy easily attained than what they're currently using to make them or something.
1: Yeah. Like that would be a way for manufacturers
0: to like produce these Mm -hmm. masks. I don't
1: know. Yeah. To produce like filters for a mask with that kind of methodology of like heating plastic into a mesh instead of whatever they're doing now, which I have no idea.
0: (laughs) I I don't know. Magic. (laughs) 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 My next story is entertainment news. This is from Fox business. Uh, Pokemon card could sell for five hundred thousand dollars, breaking records.
1: How is there a Pokemon card worth that much?
0: You better believe it's Charizard. <laughs> uh, is it? So, can I
1: guess what it is? Yeah. Oh, like, there's a special. Is it like a dark Charizard? No. Is it a sparkly Charizard? It's a sparkly
0: Charizard. Well, it's a it's a holographic Charizard. Oh, card.
1: that's like, what I meant.
0: But it's like a. So it's the 1999 Pokemon base first edition number four Charizard trading card, and it's holographic, which the article never mentions, but it showed a picture of it. Oh. I don't know. Well, that's they're an important clearly detail. They're, clearly, <laughs> they're amateurs here. Um, but, yeah, so it's like an original print. like Okay,
1: that's cool. A
0: holographic Charizard card, which is rare to begin with and... Now, incredibly rare, especially one in mint condition like this one. Wow! Um, so this, the card in question will be sold as part of Golden Auctions' holiday auction, with the auction house comparing the valuable card to other esteemed collectibles, such as the 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle rookie card, which is like apparently a famous baseball card or something. I don't know. I'm hmm. not the person to ask for that. But I mentioned I only mentioned that because I want to read their description of the card because it is so over the top. Okay. <laughs> At first, the two hungered-for pieces might seem unrelated, but after pondering the juxtaposition for a minute, real, even compelling parallels emerge. Both items showcase larger-than-life figures who occupy center stage in the fantasies of countless enthusiasts. (laughs) Both pieces, especially in top grade preservation, radiate a physical beauty which effectively combines attributes that resonate even with the uninitiated. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> Who wrote this? Let's settle down, golden auctions. That is...
1: What is that? Is that is insane. <laughs> I cannot... But I just can't. The fact I just that can't they, like.
0: Drew a connection between a Mickey Mantle baseball card and a
1: Charizard. It's insanity. But just also like half the words that were used to oh, describe that charger card are just like...
0: It's like the is find and replace. I don't like, know
1: what word like embodies this face I'm making right now, but it's like... <laughs> I don't know. What word is that? You I, know what I mean? You know what I, I, I mean? Know. But I don't you know, This is a radio show, so we need to, <laughs> we need to use our words. <laughs> and by radio show, I mean podcast. <laughs> uh, I I just can't.
0: Yeah i I don't understand. Uh, I mean, I do understand, but I don't understand. Uh, bidding on the first edition Pokemon card described the auction house as extremely desirable. <laughs> and in one of a kind pristine condition started on November 23rd with a minimum bid of $50,000 it's currently at $170,000 and the auction director speculates it could easily double the record for a pokemon card previously set at $250,000 so that was the previous record technically the $500,000 is a speculation but like they're okay. speculating it is going to get that high or i mean i'm i have a Good feeling it'll at least surpass the 250000 because it's extremely rare. And in November, another Nintendo fran- franchise broke records at auction when a sealed copy of Super Mario Bros. 3 became the most expensive video game ever sold, fetching a whopping $156,000 at auction. Wow! So that's the most expensive like copy of a video game that's ever been sold, and that just hmm. happened in November as well. So hmm. a lot of... Uh, a big big sales i was gonna say nintendo should be excited but they get none of this so. <laughs> <laughs> it's just publicity yeah. <laughs> it's
1: publicity Publ- yeah. publicity is good
0: good pu- good publicity
1: <laughs> <I can't, yeah. laughs> it's such a hard word good, to say. good publicity is good oh, i just said it okay good, yeah you said They're, it fine yeah. yeah
0: good publicity good publicity
1: good publicity good publicity good publicity. <laughs> yep yep okay all right it's time for breaking news the part of our show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today, or were just posted today, and we read them to you on the fly.
0: Masks.
1: Ready, set,
0: go! Go.
1: Okay, I found a breaking news on (laughs) Delish.com. And the headline is, FYI, the Great Canadian Baking Show Exists and dan levy has hosted two seasons what did you know about this no okay i'm so excited that you didn't also didn't know about this because yeah. i didn't know about wow. this. Wow,
0: how is this not shown up
1: I know. anywhere i know <laughs> that was like the whole point of their article was like people don't know that this show exists but apparently the um you know you know the great british baking show right yeah oh, yeah of the, course the <laughs> C- canadians did a similar show <laughs> And it's just called The Great Canadian Baking Show. Right, not and the original, first two seasons, you know. and it's the, same, it's the same concept, but it's just like hmm. chefs in Canada, I don't know. And uh, Dan Levy was one of the hosts for season one and two.
0: What, so was he, he was in a role like uh, Mel and Sue in like the earlier yes. seasons? Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. I haven't seen the most recent seasons of Great British Baking Show, so.
1: Yeah, I've seen some episodes of the recent seasons, but not a lot. I or also always forget off. everyone's names. What's the, the name of the show? Stuff. The Great British Bake Off.
0: Yeah, I always yes. say Great British Baking Show, and that's not what it is. And wait a minute, is it?
1: Wait, is it the Great British Baking Show? Now I don't know. The, on. This one called this other one the Great Canadian Baking Show. The Great British Bake Off. Yeah, it is Bake wait, Off. What is it? Both? What I is? I don't know. <laughs> it's like
0: okay. All the autocompletes for Google are The Great British Baking Show, but the actual show appears to be called The Great British Bake Off.
1: That's confusing.
0: What is... And there's, like, articles referring to it as The Great British Baking Show. And wait, it's called it on PBS? I'm confused.
1: <laughs> Maybe it has two names. Maybe it has two names.
0: In America, it's listed as The Great British Baking Show.
1: Oh, that's why. okay. Okay. That makes more sense. I
0: thought I was losing my mind. All right. <laughs>
1: Um, I'm glad we cleared that up. Um, <laughs> sorry to interrupt. So, no, that's okay. So, uh, this is the, again, like again, for the third time, the Canadian version <laughs> of the British one and, um, Bruno Feldstein, a French born Canadian chef and Rochelle Adonis, a Canadian Australian pastry chef and restaurateur are responsible for critiquing the contestants creation. So they're the two like celebrity judges. So they're in the it.
0: Mary Berry and Paul Hollywood. Yes. This version. <laughs>
1: correct. Um, and then they have, I guess like there's multiple seasons of this and they go through like different hosts. So Dan mm-hmm. Levy is just in season one and two Yeah, with actress Julia Chan. And, um, they switch to new people for other seasons. So I guess they,
0: <laughs> other people we don't care people, about but, as much.
1: But we don't care about those other people. We care that Dan Levy is a host <laughs> of the show and no one knows about this show. <laughs> and you have to go to like a special website to stream it. Like, I don't think it's on Netflix. Oh, boo. So, that's kind of a downside, and probably yeah. also why people haven't why discovered no one's this heard yet. Of it, yeah. But it's out there on the internet, and you can find it. I
0: feel like if we make enough noise, we could get it to come to Netflix. I feel like, I feel like that's the kind of thing. How they would do go we for. start
1: that campaign?
0: Yeah, I don't know.
1: Let's call Netflix. Okay, I got today. their number right here. Okay, let's just call them and it's be like, Netflix. "You need to make a deal with these people yeah. and get this on your platform."
0: Yeah,
1: and they'll listen to us
0: be- for some reason. Okay, this is from Fox8.com. I think it's actually Cleveland's local news station. Um, Christmas star to light up night sky for first time in 800 years. The, the Christmas star? The Christmas, no, it's Christmas stars in quotes because it's not actually a star.
1: Oh, okay. But, um,
0: so on December 21st, people can witness something not seen in nearly 100 years, which is pretty much what I just said. Uh, during the upcoming winter solstice, Jupiter and Saturn are lining up to create an incredibly bright star, in quotes, of wonder, or what is sometimes known as the Christmas star or star of Bethlehem. Uh, these two planets haven't appeared this relatively close from Earth's vantage point since the Middle Ages, Um, so like they, they said you'd have to go back to just before dawn on March 4th, 12, wait, 1226. It's it's like, wow, I'd never have to say eight years from that time out loud. Um, (laughs) but to see something this close or these two planets this close together. Um, they said stargazers in the northern hemisphere should turn their heads and telescopes to the southwest portion of the sky about 20, 45 minutes before sunset to see the planets align on December 21st. So, 45 minutes before, before sunset on the 21st, which I think is the winter solstice, also. Um, cool. And they said you'll be able to see it, you might be able to see it throughout the entire week, but that's, I guess, when it's going to be the very closest. And this won't occur again until 2080. So. Wow. Which is much sooner than the last time, but still pretty far away. So, Cool. Yeah. It's apparently going to be really bright, so that'll be exciting to see.
1: I hope it's not just like cloudy and overcast on that day. Well, where in we Cleveland.
0: live, it probably will be. <laughs> Let's be honest. But maybe it won't. I don't know. I'm
1: keeping my fingers crossed.
0: We've still got, still got weeks. We have no idea what the forecast is yeah. at, at that point. so True.
1: Very true. Yeah. That's cool. I totally want to see that. Yeah,
0: I do too. I'd love a thing where I just have to look outside for a second. <laughs> <laughs> this is the kind of activity I'm willing to engage in. It's <laughs> like,
1: ah. That's fair. That's fair. And then
0: back inside. <laughs>
1: Alright, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday, and as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description.
0: You can subscribe to Nick News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash NickNak News, on Twitter at, at news, and on Instagram at Nick News.
1: Alright, we'll see you next week.
0: Bye. Bye.